Welcome to the Small Talk Big Thoughts podcast. I'm your host, Ebony Griffin. Today I talked to Dr. Ray Best Jr. and Andrea Best. They give keen insight on their now seven-year marriage and the life experience through their lens. The Beths are a wonderful young couple filled with godly wisdom and I'm extremely excited to have this conversation about marriage, parenting, and homeschooling God's way. So listen, as we journey into their life story, you will be inspired by their willingness to let God lead their family, I promise you. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Oh. All right, today I am talking to Andrea and Ray Best. And we're going to be talking about everything. We are going to talk about everything. We're going to be talking about life. We're going to be talking about family. And of course, we are going to be talking about God. Hello, you two. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Hello, how hello. are you? Thank you for having us oh, on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, it's a pleasure to have you both the best. <laughs> on the small talk, <laughs> talk big thoughts podcast I, I appreciate you both for you know joining me today and you know we have a lot to talk about so I wanted to get right to it and I want want to let you know to just hey just roll with it and then add subtract do whatever you have to do <laughs> in order to get your story out and because I just love your story and I love you both and so I just want others to know who you are and what you're about and what you're doing so uh, we'll go ahead and get right to it so tell me and the listeners a little bit about yourself like individually and then I'll ask you about you two as a couple okay you go first you got me okay yeah. cool cool um <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Like you said, my name is uh, Dr. Ray Best Jr. Um, my profession is in uh, physical therapy. Um, I am a Christ follower. Uh, let's see here. Wonderful husband to my beautiful wife. Uh, three wonderful children. Um, yeah, I've. I guess my mission in life is to kind of make a change, make an impact on young men um, and also married men. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit about myself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. And I am Andrea, and I am a wife, a mom of three. We have a five-year-old, a soon-to-be four-year-old, and a five-month-old. Um, I'm also a homeschool mom. I am a writer and a blogger and a podcast host, and it just seems like I do all the things <laughs> right now in this season. <laughs> But it's fun. Um, I'm having a lot of fun. So yeah, that's kind of I always when I talk about myself, I'm like, did I say all that I do or all that I am? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. A little bit. A little bit yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So and that's that's a whole lot about you both. You know, it's a <laughs> lot. Uh, you know, the fact that who you are um to together that wasn't even included in that this is just individually like who you are in the community who you are with your job who you are as parents 
So you all covered pretty much a gamut. Um, and now I want to talk a little bit about, and we're going to get into all those little things later, but I want to talk a little bit about you two as a couple, like how did you meet and tell us the story. Yeah, so we actually, we met in college. We were, both went to Illinois State University. Um, we met our, like the tail end of our freshman year. So both of us, I think were 18 at that um, point. Um, so we met in college at like a, a house party or, oh no, it was, it was Ray's fraternity. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was my probate, yeah. So I was coming out, we met in person and then uh, one of us, we, we get confused on who actually followed up in our DMs on Facebook, <laughs> in Facebook Messenger, yeah. So we don't know who, she says she did, I think I did, but I'm glad one of us did. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I think it was you. Yeah. But yeah, we just connected on Facebook. And then after that, um, we started dating maybe months after uh, after that. And then we dated all throughout college and we graduated. And a year after we graduated, we got engaged. And two months after we got engaged, we got married and moved right to Virginia. Yeah, um, that yeah. was a honeymoon. Yeah, going, we're ready to start physical therapy going school. To Virginia. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Yeah. So, and see, this, these are the little details. I remember you two moving to Virginia. I didn't know that there was a two-month time frame between you guys being engaged and then, like, getting married. So yeah. what mm -hmm. was that like, you know, uh, not to, like, go into, like, why, but just, like, what was it like in those two months? Yeah, I think originally when we got engaged, we hadn't planned to get married until, like, a year and a half later. And we started premarital counseling and our counselor were like, well, why, why are you guys waiting? And so we were like, we why are we waiting? Yeah, we yeah. don't know. And so yeah. I think it was just really put on our hearts by God. And then the council of our um, counselors who did our premarital counseling to um, just to go ahead and, and get married before we left to Virginia um, to have the covering um, from our parents and everyone who was in support of us getting ready to to have that before we left and you know started a new life in Virginia. Um, so yeah, that two months was we we did have a wedding. We planned a whole wedding in uh, two months and had a bridal party and everything. It was probably a little bit stressful, but I think it was when I I was actually telling a friend this um, maybe a few weeks ago about how. When that day came, it was literally just me and Ray. It poured down raining. It was <laughs> not the perfect, perfect wedding day that you know you would want, but it was just it was just me and him, and that's yeah. all we ever wanted, you know. Um, so that two months, it just seemed like it went by so fast. And two days after we got married, we road tripped for fourteen hours to Virginia in our little Ford Focus, with <laughs> all of our stuff. Our TV. <laughs> Couldn't even see out the back window. It was just filled to the top. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Filled to the top. So everything was in there and you guys were on to Virginia to start a, a new life, basically. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to also say happy anniversary because the Aww. anniversary was recently. So I didn't want to, yes, uh, you know, you. skip on that. Or <laughs> I had to get that in there. Um, and so how long has that been overall from the, the road trips to Virginia honeymoon slash honeymoon um, to where you are now. How long has that been? Seven years. Seven, seven wonderful, years. Yeah, the seven wonderful seven. years. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Yes, it's been seven years. And it doesn't even feel like it. It feels like, man, just yesterday. 
um, one of the things that we do each year is we vlog on New Year's Eve about, you know, just the year of how it's been. And we talk about marriage and life and we've never released any of these, but we were just watching one the other day and just seeing how much has happened in the past seven years. And it's just incredible to think about all that can happen in a matter of just, just seven short years. Seven short. <laughs> so specifically yes. our growth, like we asked yeah. each other some questions and I know those questions would be completely opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What do you think is attributed to that? The fact that, you know, similar questions or same questions, but you would answer those questions differently than and now. What do you think is attributed to that? Ooh, I would say nothing but God, the grace and mercy of God. Um, yeah, yeah. It's definitely growth in our relationship with him individually and together. Um, yeah, just coming into who I am, if I'm speaking for myself as a woman and just understanding who I am and discovering new parts of me that I've never known before and how that um, connects me to my husband and helps me to understand him, helps me to understand my role as a wife and how to be a wife to Ray specifically. And so I think definitely God's grace and just him being so much more a part of our lives now than he was before. Yeah. Right. Well, that leads me to the next question that I had. It, uh, when did God become such an integral part of your life? Is this during the marriage or prior to when you were dating or, or even before that? Uh, so let's talk individually and then collectively. Yeah. So I, I would say I kind of grew up in the church. Um, <clears throat> I can remember the, uh, you know, Sundays, my family, we got up, went to church. Uh, my grandfather, he was also a member of the church there. And that was when I was young. I think I got baptized when I was maybe uh, either six or seven. Um, and then kind of got away from got away from the church as I got into high school, got into college. Uh, but then uh, it was our senior year. We started to attend attend church together. Um, I think that was the that was like the flashes of God just just calling us calling us home. Like, hey, come on back. And uh, we weren't married at, at that at that point just yet, but we were attending church together together, and um, we were just getting poured in, just just poured into. Yeah, I think for me, it was definitely the year I would say the year after we got married was the year that we really had to cleave to each other and that helped us to really like solidify in our relationship with God um, mm -hmm. because like moving to Virginia neither one of us had friends we had no family around it was just us and so I think it was just an opportunity for God to really just pour for our for that relationship that we had back at home that was very horizontal with family and friends and for it to become just us two and for us, for that vertical relationship to be strengthened between us as one and God. And I think that that was the point when I really started to dig deep into my relationship with God was during that first year of, of marriage. Yeah, first year and that was, that was what you say, that's, that's the toughest? That was the toughest year that yeah. we probably had. Yeah. He showed he showed himself throughout that toughest year. Yeah. Um, and I will also add that the church we were attending, um, they had what was it called? Growth groups. What was it called? Deeper, deeper, deeper classes. classes yeah. um, so also plugging in and getting 
um, just talking to older married men who had been through this. When we talked and I was talking to them about experiences, what I was going through, and they broke things down to what they went through, what they're currently going through and what I may go through in my marriage. And it was just so um, insightful to be able to just to glean from them to say, okay, you all made it 30, 40, 50, 60 years in marriage. And um, it makes the small things really minute. It likes it, you know, we don't trip on the, on the little things anymore. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, and that actually answered the question that I had about um, some challenges that you two have had in the marriage itself. It sounds like you're saying that the first year with you being in Virginia, separated from family, pretty much separated from the friends that you had grown accustomed to, that put you in a place to depend on each other and really lean into God. That's what it sounds mm -hmm. like you're saying. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so with that being said, do you feel like it is um, been a, a good place for you amongst your peers uh, to be walking in the faith as believers? How has that been? Because that could be a little bit of a challenge sometimes depending on who you are. But do you feel that you've had any challenges in that way or it's been pretty much a cakewalk for you all? Hmm. So I think the period, that two to three year period when we went away to Virginia, it helped. It allowed the fray and the, uh, the friendships that weren't stable to kind of fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. So then when we did come back to Illinois, it was only people or relationships that we had been involved with this, this whole time. And also we had also set, we set boundaries. Um, so we set boundaries within our marriage to see, okay, is this friendship pouring into us? Is this good? Is this healthy? What's the impact it's having on one, one another? Mm -hmm. um, and if it wasn't having a, a good impact, it was just cut off. Like it was that simple. It yeah. was it was like me choosing her over, you know, that negative um, impact. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, and I and I have to say, I know that um, I've known you, Andrea, since you were, you know basically a newborn, right? Yes. <laughs> and, you know, pushing you in the stroller with your sister and everything. And so, um, but now it's like looking back then and looking at you now, you have three little ones of your own. And that to me seems like, wow, I can't believe it. You know, I can't believe yeah. that the years has gone by, but then also the growth that I've seen in you and actually what you two add to each other has been, you know, it's evident based on the conversation that we're having now and also the things that uh, I see. And so I wanted to ask you to give me a little bit about your three little ones. I know that you, you just became the parents of your third one. So just kind of give me a little bit, a little picture of the, your three little ones. <laughs> okay, so Imani is five. She is the oldest and she is definitely the second mother in this house. <laughs> is, um, I mean, just a brilliant little one. Yes, she, she is very, very much so like Ray. Um, <laughs> very orderly and um, inquisitive, asks tons of questions. She's like, if I don't understand why this is happening, then uh, yeah, we're gonna have to figure something out because <laughs> that's not working for me. 
but yeah she is very much so like ray um she looks like ray she's definitely his twin <laughs> a little doppelganger yes yeah. <laughs> um and then we have chase who is three he'll be four in october and chase is very much so like me he is very just free-spirited and um he's determined right now he's into basketball <laughs> and for a three-year-old, he is like, I mean, he goes outside and every single day, multiple times a day, 10 minutes at a time, and he calls it putting in that work. He'll really? dribble the basketball, <laughs> shoot the basketball, and then he'll come in and say, mommy, I just I just put in that work real quick. <laughs> wow. So he, he is... <laughs> He's he's you know, you very just curry on your hands. Yes, yes, indeed, yes. Indeed. He's very creative um, in the sense of very physical, and yes, he's sensitive as well. And that's another reason he's another way in which he's like me that he's just very sensitive and and kind hearted, um, tender. And then we have Rayma, who is the newest one to the best family, the baby. Yes, and mm -hmm. she has just changed the game for our our house. I mean, everyone is obsessed with Rayma. <laughs> like the Rayma yes. word. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. and it, it is, it is spelled R-H-E-M-A, just like the Rayma word. Yes, but she is, um, I mean, she just brings light to our, to our house. Um, and I think Rayma is special because she is our rainbow baby. Mm -hmm. um, back in 2019, we did uh, lose a baby to miscarriage who we nicknamed Mocha. That was uh, our baby that we lost named Mocha. Um, and so we, we, I like to include Mocha when I talk about our children because I think that is our angel baby. And so um, we, we have a special place for Mocha in our, in our family too. And, and Rayma is our rainbow baby who is just definitely the rainbow. <laughs> Um, just after um, quite a quite a you know devastating season, mm. but yeah, yeah, they are they are just everything to us. <laughs> yeah. All right, and tell me a little bit about like how did you both deal with that? It sounds like it had to be tough um, having a miscarriage. Um, was there a, a way that you both dealt with it? I know for a lot of people. Um, especially during my counseling and then also with like uh, family and friends who have experienced this. So believe it or not, a lot of people have experienced it and they don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just the fact that you are, you both are very vocal about it is a, a plus. Um, but sometimes it's easier for people to not talk about it. Don't remember the baby. Let's not even talk. Let's not give the baby a name. Let's just kind of move on and act like it, it, um, the baby did not exist and so what I love is that you both have named the baby because Mocha was a person yeah. and um, you're you're honoring the baby in the family because there was a position that Mocha held in the family yeah. so tell me how you both got got through that difficult time you can go ahead and okay. leave with that one yeah. <laughs> um Man, it was just the peace of God. When I look back on that time, I really don't know how I got through that time. But um, I just know in the moment I had God's peace and I was just grabbing all of the peace that I, that I could um, because it really was tough. Um, we had a specific type of miscarriage that's called like a blighted ovum. Um, and in short, it's basically when 
um, your body begins to develop a baby and um, somewhere in the growth process, the baby is absorbed back into, um, I think the uterine lining or, or something like that. But um, in seeing it on an ultrasound, there's a sac and your hormone levels rise and all of that happens, but there's just no baby growing. Um, and so in that process, it was very confusing. It was, um, I had a lot of questions that I didn't uh, get answered at that time. And so it was just a very confusing time. And then trying to still be mom to the other two and um, just trying to cling to each other during that time and handle things in, in our different ways. Um, so it was it was a very just confusing and, and um, interesting time because it wasn't all sadness, I will say. It wasn't all sadness. We had some amazing moments before we, you know, actually experienced the miscarriage. And um, there were lots of amazing things going on around us that we just grasped those moments and kind of linked those moments to that pregnancy as well. And so there were just, it's a lot of that joy and suffering that- um, Coexist. Yeah, that coexists. And I think that we really cling on to that it wasn't just this horrible, um, time frame while it was a bad experience and it was something that um just it was pretty traumatic especially i think for for me speaking mm -hmm. um but it wasn't just this it wasn't a, a all bad time mm. yeah now I'm, i don't i wouldn't really know how to um put it into words how i handled it i think i was more on the dichotomous like, side of you know, either we were with child or we, or we weren't. And after we got the news, it, in my head, it was, we weren't. Um, but how to actually process those emotions and how to support my wife at that time, um, I was not prepared for it. I was probably, she would probably say I was cold initially, um, even to the fact of, I went back to work, was it the next day? Yeah. Yeah. So, I went back to work, um, you know, we had uh, miscarriage, you know, we went to the ER emergency room and um, I went back to work the next day. So it showed how um, things just hadn't clicked of how emotionally taxing and how traumatic it was for my wife. Um, granted, my mom-in-law did come over, but it's still, it's not my mom-in-law's and, and her child. It was, it was our child, Mocha was ours. Um, so I would probably say I handled it in a, or, you know what, would you say, I only, I don't even know if I've truly handled it, if yeah. I've actually processed that grief, if I've gone through the stages of it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all yeah. on I, my part. Yeah. And I've openly talked about it a lot more than I've talked mm -hmm. about it on my podcast, um, by myself and then with other women who've lost, um, children. Um, so I think I've had a lot more opportunities to talk, talk it out and talk through it. Um, I don't know if Ray's gotten the opportunity to do that. Hmm, probably have two, two male friends who have dealt with uh, pregnancy loss or infant It's just more of a short of, we kind of sit in this, in this space where we comfort one another without really vocalizing exactly, you know, our highs and our lows and exactly what we felt. Uh, but it's like, oh man, I see it's messed up but um, we're hopeful, but this, we kind of, we kind of turn the corner into something that's joyful. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. 
And and that's really the process of like um, coping. So we don't really like to stay in the negative long. We want to see the sunshine. Mm-hmm. We want to see the ray of sun. Um, and I, it's just kind of a normal activity for us to just try to cling to that. Um, but what I what I like that you said is that I I don't know if I had processed it in the way you know it's like I'm still really trying to figure out if I process or not mm-hmm. and um you know the thing is is that I don't and you know you'll never know exactly what that will look like because if you weren't really a talker before that um then you're not going to be the talker after uh, but it's just knowing like do I have that piece in regards to it um, about how things were handled, but also how it's being handled on the inside? Because I think that's a different, that's, that's kind of different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do like the fact that you both handled it differently and you were true to that. You, you know, you were true to how you handled it. It was no right or wrong way to handle it, mm-hmm. um, but you were true to it. And um, tell me, does, does all of that, play a part into like how you parent because you two had children before and that happened but does it play a part in how you currently parent um yes somehow way or another I think it does I think we take we don't take moments for granted as much um those small two minutes three minutes we may have with our children in the morning or before they go to bed we try to make them impactful Mm -hmm. um because we do um oftentimes have conversations about mocha our daughter um a five-year-old she remembers you know she remembers uh when my wife was pregnant with her mm-hmm. um she's like you know I, I pray for i pray for a baby um and we said just keep praying and that's where you know our rainbow baby rama came yeah. but uh yeah we it definitely impacts how we parent now and we just don't we don't take time for granted um tomorrow isn't promised yeah yeah i think i would definitely agree we try to lean into moments when we could be busy, we could be on our phones, you know, we could easily let those moments slip by Mm -hmm. um, when they're really trying to show us something um, or when they're really trying to get our attention or when they're um, telling us a story. We just try not to um, let those moments slip by. I've been trying to consciously tell myself when I nurse Rama to get off my phone, even though, you know, the session, the nursing session could be 15, 20 minutes, I tell myself to get off my phone and look at her, look at her smile, look at her eat. You know, it's those moments that will be, I mean, she will be done nursing in a year or, you know, whenever she decides she's done (laughs) two (laughs) years and almost three for the other ones. But, um, you know, just taking those moments because knowing that this little baby is not going to be this little anymore. So just trying to hone in on those moments that will be just a memory that may seem taxing right now, but they will just be a memory very, very soon. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you feel that, you know, that was like the most challenging time of parenting because you both were like going through that, but then you also had to be a mother to the two that you had. Was that the most challenging time you would say, or is there another time that you can think of? The most challenging time in parenthood for me was right after we had Chase. Um, And I think it was because we were going through a lot of transition during that time. Going from two to three hasn't been bad. Going from one to two was like, 
what in the world did we get ourselves into? Yeah. Um, we were, we had just had Chase. We closed on our house. We lived with my parents for a month during the whole home buying process, which was just like, you know, ups and downs and oh my goodness. Um, Ray had started a new job. Indeed, indeed. And so it was just a lot of transition all at once. Um, me just trying to figure out how to be a stay at home mom to two children under two years old. Um, it was, and I was nursing both of them at that time. And yeah, it was, it was a lot. And that was, um, I think that was the most challenging time of parenthood for me. <laughs> yeah. I would say, and the reason I think that is because we were, there was a rift almost in a sense, because my expectation uh, at home, they weren't being met with reality. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this expectation of, okay, I go to work, I come home, things are perfect. Like the house is clean. Uh, the kids are, they aren't running around, uh, you know, being crazy per se. Uh, but it's just, it's just not the reality of things. Like, I've been working all day and she has as well. And actually in a real or a job away from the home, I probably have more of a break than she does. Um, so, but I didn't get that. I got that going from two to three. I rolled up my sleeves. We had talks prior to like, hey, okay, let's make sure that doesn't happen again. What can we put in, what systems can we put in place to prevent this? Mm-hmm. From one to two, I think we walked into it like, oh, this is going to be sweet, nonchalant. Oh, <laughs> this first child, oh, she was good. No, the second one, it'll be sweet. Uh-uh. Yeah. It wasn't like that no. at all. It was a, it was like a Muhammad Ali punch. We like, <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. Okay. You got to, you got to get back up. Yeah. You got to get back up. So Chase, he changed the game. It sounds like the the routine of things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Chase came in and was like, uh, hello, yeah. it's me. <laughs> yeah. And we weren't, yeah, we weren't expecting no, we were expecting really another Imani. And, right. and we didn't, yeah, we didn't get that. Yeah. Wow. So you you actually touched on a little bit about the next area that I wanted to go in. You said that you were a stay-at-home mom. And I know that that does include homeschooling and so I wanted to kind of talk to you both about that now I know that prior to COVID um, there was there's like 1.7 million people who were homeschooling or students actually being homeschooled Mm -hmm. and of course with COVID things change and now things are kind of reverting back to the way they were because the schools are opening but in that 1.7 million of those uh, homeschool students it was only about eight percent of those those students that were African-American and so you know that's out of the total number and I think that's very interesting. So how did you both make the decision that, hey, I want to be a stay-at-home mom, and then that also includes homeschooling as well? Yeah, I think it was definitely placed on my wife's heart first. Um, now I'll let you go ahead and yeah. that. When we moved to uh, the neighborhood that we're in now, I just started to see um, how many homeschool families we were surrounded by. Um, and just the way that I was interacting with the homeschool parents and even the children, um, I think God really just placed it on my heart. And this was, I mean, Monty wasn't even two years old yet um, to be in any type of school, but I think God was just really showing me that this was um, what was going to be the life for our family. Um, at that time, I didn't know why, um, but I think I'm really starting to understand that it's because God wants us to, uh, really set the foundation 
in the way that um, he has been leading us to set for our children. Um, and I think that that's really, I, I never thought that I would be a homeschool mom <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, I always knew that I wanted to be a stay at home mom once we had children. Um, but as far as homeschooling, that was never my plan. That's how I know it was, it's, it was all God, God's leading because it was never in my plan to be a homeschool mom at all. Yeah. And the statistic you gave, it was that eight, you said 8%? 8%. Yeah. 8%. That was prior, prior to COVID. Prior. So that's the, the, I would say the, the God, the godly thing about it. It's only 8% of uh, children, well, children that were uh, African-American that were being homeschooled we got surrounded by about three or four homeschool cup homeschooled uh, households, all African American. Yeah, all African American. Wow, all African American. Yeah, and and that's what it was like. Okay, we were surrounded by them, but we hadn't chosen that we were going to do this just yet. Yeah. Um. So he kind of showed God showed us what was what was it like the healthiness, the ability of the parents to be able to control the narrative, mm -hmm. um, that whatever was going to be poured into their children, and then, yeah, yeah. That's all she wrote. <laughs> and and it's not to it's not to cast light on other, you know, races or nationalities at homeschool, but it is to point that for African Americans, we are less likely based on this eight percent to do it. And I mm -hmm. and you know, I have my speculations as to like why we kind of stray away from that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if you guys wanted to add and then I'll add a little bit as far as like the speculation or if you want to just leave it right there. Uh, but what I will say that I think a part of it is just the aspect of if you're in survival mode and you are like everybody's working or even if it's one parent, a one parent household and that parent is like working, there's like the thought is, hey, let's get the kid to school, a school so that they can get what they need. And not to say for all single parents or two uh, household families, but I think that just the priority of it, of homeschooling is not at the top. Now it might be looked at a little differently in the times yeah. that we're in, um, but it, it wasn't at the top during that time. It, there's some other things that I think also attribute to it, but um, did you have a comment? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely heard the, um, the socialization thing that oh, the kids will not be socialized and will have a hard time connecting with other children. Um, yeah, that's one of the big ones that, that I definitely hear. But even so, if we hypothesize that, so African-Americans, of course, our household um, income is probably at the lowest of all nationalities or all groups. I just think, like you said, they're in survival mode. They have to Two parents, if you can, they work. Um, but uh, we are where we have we're blessed. We have the luxury to be able to uh, sustain all our bills, have overflow, and have my wife stay at home. Um, not all households are like that, um, and that's something that we see in uh, various areas. So when we put the kids in activities, you know, um, we see that they'd actually some areas they were a little more affluent. Um, they had homeschool targeted classes, classes during the day. And, you know, I would think about like, why is this class at 11, 11 a.m.? But it's because most of those uh, moms or either grandparents in the area, they can pitch in and help out. 
Um, and that just isn't the reality for, I don't, for most African-American families. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that's something that I didn't think about as well. Um, I do think that it's also looked at, and, and I will say up until maybe recently, where some people are looking at the education system, like the private schools and some of the public schools, depending on what type of echelon that public school has gotten or the name that it's gotten for himself, hey, they can do a better job than I can. <laughs> you know, so let me just go ahead and send the kid there. But there's just so much that you provide foundationally to your child when you were homeschooling because I think uh, one of you said you really you really are controlling the narrative mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, tell me for you both how do you really foster in the child like self-identity and then also the love of God mm -hmm. so we actually just went through a uh not a discipleship class, but it was like an eight-week class um, at the church that we're um, attending. And we do that by uh, modeling. We do it by having the conversations. Uh, we do it by asking, you know, what, just ask them what they're thinking. Uh, we give them random scenarios. Yeah. If this happened, then what would you do? Um, and then, we, you know, we just interweave um, the Bible, biblical things within it. Um, and if, if they ask us something and we don't know, we go to the Bible. Um, that's, 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 that's what we stand on. And that's what we try to have them stand on as well. Yeah. That if we don't know, let's go to the Bible. Let's listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, even things as small as uh, looking for AirPods or um, like sometimes they may have a, a sore tummy or they may have scraped their knee. We pray. Um, and we don't even initiate it at this point now. They do. And that's, yeah. that's the great thing about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Okay. So that just like really touched my heart. I'm like, oh, <laughs> the little ones are like touching their knee in the name of Jesus. <laughs> 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 that is so cute. And, and it's cute, but uh, from a biblical standpoint, the word says train up your child in the way mm -hmm. the child should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. And so really being able to establish a foundation of um, a mindset of Christ, having the mindset of Christ is a great thing that is gonna far outlast anything in any book. Right, oh, yeah. right, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes me think about um, like my grandmother and my mom, just pray prayerful women. You know, I would like be over at my grandma's house and she would be up at 6 a.m. reading her Bible. And I would be like, oh my gosh, like what is happening here? <laughs> but just to know that that's what she was doing and, you know, hearing her pray. And my mom, too, like I was telling Ray, I would, I remember my mom, like always before she like got her day started, she would be on her knees praying, like at her bedside. And before she got into bed, she would pray. And before she get would get in the bed. And I just remember always seeing her do that. Um, and even, you know, praying over me, I grew up um, having panic attacks. And the first thing that I would ask her to do, mommy, can you pray for me? And not really even knowing what I was asking her, but she would, you know, always just pray. And I think that thinking about that and how that has brought me and, you know, introduced me to prayer so young, um, just with our children, just how important it is, even when we think it's not, 
making a difference, even when we're not actively teaching them, when they're just watching us, when they're listening to our phone calls, when they're, you know, just watching what we watch, listening to the music that we listen to, um, or even when we, um, when they're watching a kid's show and, and, you know, it kind of has some questionable things in it or some, we are, we're like, okay, you know, let's, let's reevaluate watching this show. And here's why, you know, just those little things that they see us do or hear us do, or um, just in passing is just so important. And I think that it's important that we don't take those things for granted because they are always watching. Now I earlier Ray said something about modeling in front of the children and mm -hmm. so you two are modeling in front of them, but then also how you are uh, rooted is because people modeled for you. So you're talking about uh, your grandmother, your mom, and you, and now your children. That's four generations, okay? Yeah. And so it's just very important to model. And, and if for any listener that's thinking that, hey, what I do, what I say doesn't matter to my ch child, it does. Mm -hmm. um, and you two are a testament of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now uh, I know that you're, like you said earlier, you're a podcaster, you're an author, you're a blogger. And so, you know, she's just doing it all, right? And then, of course, you're a doctor. And so you're getting in there doing your thing. Um, tell me what has been for you the most um, significant part of your career and your foundation career-wise, because that's important to to us. It's important to God as well, like what we do. For sure, for sure. Um, I think the most important part, um, and I've just probably come into it probably, I would say within the past three or three years, how to um, <clears throat> interweave my mission or my calling within my my profession. Because if not, I just get burned out. I say, hey, I'm here for my paycheck and um, that's it. But <clears throat> in interactions day to day with my patients. So for example, I was working in a senior living facility um, throughout, uh, well, COVID is still going on, but throughout the initial you know 18 months of, of COVID of the pandemic. And these senior living facilities were on lockdown. They weren't allowing uh, family members in. Uh, they had limited nursing. They had limited interactions. They weren't allowed to be into their eating areas. So they were literally in solitary confinement for, I mean, all day. So what I decided to take upon myself was like, hey, the time that I spent with them is going to be physical therapy, but Jesus is definitely going to be all up and through there. You know, I'm not just going to ask the routine questions. I want to ask, oh, how are you doing? Is there anything? And if I saw something, you know, I always try to be careful with the um, being, you know, believer, not to offend anyone. But if they were a believer, I would talk to them about it. You know, I would say, oh, did a sermon that I heard, I would talk to them and um, just try to make that hour or whatever that I spent with them much more than just exercises. So, and that's what I try to do in the current job that I'm at. It's not just about rehab. It's also about their spirit and pouring into them. Because um, I never know, they may, I may be the only piece of Christ that they ever get to meet. And um, I want to make sure I'm a good representative, good representative of that. Yeah. And the word says that we are ambassadors. Mm -hmm. So that is a way that you are doing so. You're being the advertisement of him and ministering to those individuals where, where the opportunity to rise is. 
Um, and of course, like you said, sometimes if you don't see it, if there's nothing there that shows that that person is like into it, of course you're respectful, but where, where you can see that it's like, Hey, it's free reign to talk about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the most important, what was it? The most important part of my career yes. until now. Um, hmm. I think it's probably publishing my children's books because that was like a turning point for me to be like, I think it was the start and then the completion of something that I really um, just put my heart into. Mm -hmm. And that was really the beginning of my, my official, just this is who I am. You know what I mean? Um, I had written, I had blogged before that and um, had edited other people's books and they went on to publish their books. But I think when I got the opportunity to take all the creativity that I had inside of me and pour it into these children's books who, I mean, it just meant so much to me to write these books and to see them come to life with the illustrations and to see children actually reading the books and enjoying the books. It just meant so much. And so I think that that was really a pivotal point in my writing career. Um, so, yeah, that was that was very, a very important time that I feel like kind of changed things up for how I saw myself as a writer, too. Wow. And so does that mean that you're working on additional books and resources <laughs> for the kids or what's, what's next for you? And then, of course, you know, I'll, and I'll, I'll say that last question. You, you guys may know where I'm going, but I'll say that last question. But I'll just go with what's next for you right now. <laughs> oh, man. So right now I've been blogging a lot. I've been blogging and kind of just pouring my heart and to sharing freely whatever is placed on my heart. So like recently we celebrated our anniversary. So a lot of my blogs just really focused on how much I love my husband and how much I adore him. I wrote a love letter to him and a prayer for him and um, what really changed the game from our, our marriage. And so I've just been doing a lot of that lately. Um, but I am also in the workings of slowly but surely writing my next book, very slowly but surely, writing my next book called God's Not Invited. And it's um, just a book to allow God into the most, one of the most intimate parts of your marriage, which is the bedroom. And so it's really just the way that God has really transformed um, our intimate life and um, the inner workings of how he transformed our hearts in the midst of that. So um, yeah, that book is on the way. It's definitely a turn from the children's books, but I'm pretty sure that I have more children's books in me. <laughs> uh, well, I, and I think that actually sounds good in regards to the title I love, God's Not Invited, but then also just kind of the topic itself. I think that for um, unbelievers, it's like, of course, he's not invited. You know what I'm right. saying? <laughs> right. For the believer, it's because our mindset is, even though we're in Christ, but we still kind of have the mindset of like, well, you know, yes. uh, and just really trying to figure out how to invite him in that space. Yes. So that is really good. I'm of course, you know that you got to come back and talk about that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> come back and talk about that. Um, but I think that sounds wonderful. 
And um, my next question, because it sounds like you both have these power pack things happening for you both and these transitions and things that you're working on, but what about the project together? Is that a possibility? Is that just something that I just came up with in my <laughs> mind and mm -hmm. I'm just kind of putting it out there maybe? Um, so it, it hasn't, we've talked about it briefly, but it's more so along the, uh, probably the counseling or the marital counseling, somewhere along the spectrum, whether it's premarital counseling or crises, something in there of counseling married couples. Um, we have a heart for people who um, may be engaged or people that are married that may just not have all the resources and tools that they need to have a successful marriage. Um, we hop into marriage and we think that it's just gonna be just like a relationship and it's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is, a, is a lot more challenging. It's a lot more that's uh, thrown at you. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's, that's something, that's one of the things we can definitely say will happen in the future. When? Don't know yet, but it definitely will happen. Yeah. When the Lord says so. I mean, exactly. at the point exactly. of time. So I mean, the seed is there, uh, but it's about the right timing to make sure that you both are in alignment with what you'll have. And so that's a thing for all of us, it's really sometimes we want to do things and we might be a little bit too premature and then it doesn't work out. But when we are in alignment with God, we're doing it just like he said, even if it's something that was a long time, he planted the seed some time ago, but it takes a while to get there. As long as we're in alignment, that is yes. what counts. So that is so good. Now, I, I want to say that I have enjoyed both of you thoroughly, and it has been such a pleasure talking to you both. And I know that, of course, once the books are out, then, of course, you'll come back and talk about those things, the projects together as well as individual. But it's just been so good to, to communicate and talk about all these things that really are like these silent things that are happening in individuals lives and they're not talking about it, but you two are talking about it you are sharing your life story you're talking about those things that are you know your ups and then also your downs and I think that the listeners will enjoy this this uh podcast but also they will learn and they will be drawn more to God and that's really been the idea here in in the entire conversation you have both pointed individuals to God because that's where you look to when there were things going on in your life and so I just appreciate hearing hearing your story and talking to you both and it's just been really great so I thank you just for I thank you I thank you for coming thank you so oh, much yeah. for having us oh yeah the pleasure is all ours whenever you want us to come back just let us know <laughs> well you heard them weren't the best the best they actually live up to their name. I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It speaks of, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The big thought for this episode is to anchor your marriage in God and model Christ in your household to influence your children and possibly generations thereafter. That's it for this episode. I want to thank you so much for listening. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk.
Talks, Big Thoughts. Oh.